And we're live. Hello, everybody, and thank you for coming and taking the time with us. Uh, I'm Ivan with Iconic Time Pieces. We have Brad here. Hello, everybody. <laughs> you caught you off guard. <laughs> A little bit. I was trying to get the comments. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, again, thanks for coming on and taking the time with us. Uh, anybody gets a chance to... Um, uh, chime in and, and watch us live. We definitely appreciate it. Hey, what's going on, Sean? Thanks for coming in and joining us and taking the time with us. Um, we've got an awesome guest today. Uh, uh, I don't want to butcher his last name. Uh, Phil Rodenbeck. I think that's how you say his name. But he's from Visitor Watch Company and um, love this guy's designs. Uh, it, it's something very unique in a world of much of the same old, same old. So it, it's always welcome to have such a great watch designer in the community and in the industry as a whole. Um, I actually seen them down in district time last year in October, and it, it was awesome, you know, being able to see so many great brands in one place. Um, hopefully we can get these uh, watch shows back up and running so that more people yeah. in the community can come and see them firsthand. Yeah, and I've actually owned a Dunshore. It was, uh, it's an incredible piece. It's more beautiful in person than it is on any website or any picture you're going to be able to see for sure. Uh, yeah, a lot of, lot of like very bold design cues as well as, as real subtle ones, man. And uh, you look at the lugs, um, you look at just the, the shape and of the case and the, the indices, just everything that went into the his watches. You could tell very, very well thought out. Um, Devils in the so, details. Yeah. So before we bring him on, uh, you got anything new to report this week? Not yet. We're uh, we're working through um, production, obviously. So we're waiting to to. Um, I'm inquiring about getting updates on that. See where we are. I know the last time they were working on cases. Um, also, um, hoping to get a uh, our digital rendering for the the new Raider uh, Made in the Shade or the Shade Project, as I'm calling it. So, uh, hope to launch that around August uh, on um, VJ Day. So. Very cool, very cool. And for Iconic, we are um, we're we're kind of on our last legs, but we're not last legs, but we're kind of on the home stretch, I should say. Uh, we have, um, everything's in production where the last thing that we needed to get started on was the clasps. And uh, I just found out early this morning that, um, uh, we got our sample clasp in and, uh, it, it's very high quality. So I went ahead and told them to go with that one instead of the original one, since we was having trouble finding the original, but really good clasp, and 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 we're excited to go with it. So we got about thirty more days of uh, production, and we're done. So um, as long as everything stays on track, we're about six, seven weeks early on delivery. So fingers that crossed. Only, that was your only question mark, too, huh? That was the, that was it. That was the only thing that could have possibly gave us any delays. So <laughs> unless some machinery breaks down or something happens, you know, we're in good shape. So. Hopefully, uh, you know, I try to keep everything as simple as possible because the last thing I want is delays on this one. And, and I'm yeah. hoping and hoping and praying that we, you know, it's seamless. So, all right. Well, that's it for us. Let's go ahead and bring on our guest. I'm excited to bring him on and uh, and 
yeah, here we go. Here's Mr. Phil Rodenbeck, I believe. Hey, Phil, what's up, man? Sorry hey. if I butchered your name, man. I hate No, you, you got it right. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. All right, so oh, here's Mr. Uh, Visitor Watch Company himself. Uh, I'll let him go ahead and introduce himself to you guys and, and tell us a little bit about how he got started and, and what his passion was for, for watches. Yeah, uh, I got started. Well, the, the Dune Shore launched on Kickstarter in 2014, which, you know, seems like yeah a real era ago after the countless micro wins that have come since then. Uh, but my background's in mechanical engineering. Um, I thought I I wanted to go in like the automotive world at first. That was kind of my drive to, to go into mechanical engineering. And um, in the course of that, kind of discovered mechanical watches and uh, realized that most of the same things that I loved about cars being kind of this marriage of design and intricate mechanics was also true of mechanical watches. But the main difference being that you can kind of handle uh, making a watch yourself. You really can't make a make a car yourself. So, um, or not unless you're incredibly skilled. Uh, so anyways, like that was kind of in the back of my head as like a, a thing to do. Um, so I started working on watch designs as just sort of like a passion project, side project thing. Um, and then when, the, when I finished my uh, master's, I got a job, normal engineering job, didn't really love it and kind of was like, hey, you know, maybe this like watch side project thing could be something and I'll at least try it while I'm like switching careers or whatever. Um, and yeah, the rest is kind of history. Like it just sort of rolled from there. You know, what's funny is like it, it, you talk to a lot of uh, of the new watch brands that's coming out and stuff and a lot of the uh, founders of these brands have kind of a similar story where they kind of fell into the industry, you know, like a lot yeah. of people were doing something else and then just, you know, they always love watches and they just, it just somehow happened. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It was, you know, it was a hobby. Um, so that's something that I got, I got really into the watch scene more in college and, you know, um, and I just sort of designed uh, models in CAD for fun, just as a way to practice those <laughs> skills. And, um, you, you know, like I look back on those early designs and they are garbage. And so it's a good thing that I got all those ideas out of the way before I came around <laughs> to actually producing something. Yeah, I swear I'm the only person that likes their job, their like regular job. <laughs> it's great yeah i mean it's it's awesome if you can if you can find that like i mean i like i like mine now but um yeah it was uh not quite the way it worked uh, you said you uh kind of did it the cad drawings for fun and for i mean i haven't gone to school for any kind of cad work or anything like that i kind of plan on it uh, eventually but it just seems yeah. so intricate and and like it, it seems like I wouldn't have the patience for it to do the, the CAD design work myself. It just, it, it, it seems like a long road to, to get where you want to go. Yeah. I don't know. Um, the basics are like really easy. And then it, it's, it's like anything, right? Like the, your so, sort of like proficiency and time. Right. And it's this hyperbolic curve where you can get like the first 70% pretty easily and it's that last 30 percent that's going to take you the rest of your life to like <laughs> really master um but i i don't know like depending on how 
complex yeah you wanted to i would say you know with a with a week's worth of effort you could probably learn how to make like a basic uh nav b aviator case but you know yeah but a dune shore case might take you a few more years <laughs> yeah <laughs> well yeah yeah definitely <laughs> it, it, it's very um the basic case <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah for sure so what kind of you going back like what sparked your interests in in time pieces in the very beginning and before school and all that stuff like what got you into into the love of watches yeah i honestly i didn't i didn't give much thought about watches um up up until college my first internship and i got a i got an internship with toyota and so I was like, oh, sweet. Like, this is exactly where I want to be going in my professional development or whatever. And um, so I should like put together like an actual sort of professional <laughs> level wardrobe. And mm -hmm. I noticed that, you know, my all my managers wore these nicer watches. And so I just started doing research on watches because I wanted to pick one up, you know, to look presentable or whatever. And uh, just fell down the rabbit hole from there and discovered like <laughs> this whole world of mechanical watches you know, stuff that like, you still, you know, you tell people the first time that somebody hears a watch can cost a hundred thousand dollars, right? It kind of blows their mind, right? Like you, you yeah. can't even fathom that <laughs> these things you think are just all powered by batteries even exist. And yeah, you know, there's just like this whole other universe of this stuff. Um, and I loved it, man. It's like, it's amazing. The, the, the whole mechanics is amazing. So what were some of those brands that you started to look at initially? <clears throat> around that time yeah so i can tell you the um the very first watch that i remember seeing and being like Oof, that's really sweet um and this is this is on like my attainable grail hunting list uh is a seiko ananta spring drive moon phase uh it's the snr 023 j1 i think um but it has these like it's back before they really toned down the Ananta styling, um, and it's got like these big katana like looking blade sides, and uh, it has you know this, this sort of serene looking uh, dial. And I remember seeing this ad that just yeah spoke to me on like this very sort of um, samurai kind of level, and uh, I just I absolutely loved that watch. Um, and uh, you know, from there, um, obviously, you know, Seiko Seiko is amazing because they can do everything. You know, from a monster Seiko monster orange monster was one of my first uh, acquisitions in college. Um, so yeah, Seiko was a brand that I really gravitated towards um, initially. Brands that I like admire, I, I'd, I'd actually put um, like Cartier is pretty high up there. Uh, they are like sort of the masters of powerfully shaped watches. And, you know, if you, you look at kind of what I do, I do these these more bold, interesting shapes. So like their design catalog um, is really impressive. And also, you know, historically they, they made the, with the Santos Dumont, it was like the first men's wristwatch. Um, and so I kind of like that it's like, People, people might think of Cartier, you know, they think, oh, it's kind of like a snobby jewelry brand, but really they have like some of the most legit watchmaking history uh, attached, yeah. you know. I think Definitely in design as well. I mean, they, they take yeah. a lot of chances. Like one of the biggest things that I've always loved about Cartier is the, um, 
I don't even know when it comes to like bigger brands and stuff. Cause I am a micro and independent guy, but yeah. um, the, the center lug, the center single lug on each side is, is a design cue that I've always like really, really loved and, and something that I've always wanted to kind of try out, but didn't, I don't really know exactly how to execute it. Um, right in a good way to where, you know, cause us guys in the micro and independent world, we like switching out straps and bracelets and stuff like that. And that yeah. obviously makes it very difficult. Right. Yeah. Santos, uh, I believe that was maybe the first or the second ever pilot watch too. Not necessarily the first one, I don't think, but I'm pretty yeah. sure the, that was uh, one of the first ever pilot watches as well. Yeah, right. I, I know that he requested that watch uh, specifically for his aviation uh, endeavors. Um, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a historian, but that I, I know at least that much. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, um, my brand's strictly pilot style aviation, so oh yeah. Um, when I was reading on, I'm like I'm like wow, really? Like I just didn't know that at all. And then I'm, hmm. yeah, so I kind of try to hold on to a little bit of that information so I don't look completely uh about <laughs> what I'm doing. <laughs> As you got more into the hobby and everything, what what brands did you start to gravitate towards? As you started to learn more and things like that. Yeah. So, like you know, these like Cartiers. I I don't own any of those. Like those are those are definitely aspirational pieces. You know, for a, a later date. Um, yeah. But um, so yeah, I, I mo most all my purchases have been uh, micro brands. The, the watch that I'm wearing today is uh, Halios Laguna, and that was the that was the first micro brand that I saw that really clicked with me. Um, and so that that kind of got me thinking more seriously about um, doing my own stuff because um, I just thought that watch the first time I saw it, I thought it was so cool, and I finally picked one up. Like uh, I think this is I've had this for two years now. Um, I got a, I have a Christopher Ward, uh, Mark one Trident. So that's like four logos ago. Um, <laughs> yeah, that I really, I really love that watch. Um, I actually think that they are, you know, for someone who's still a, a one person micro brand, that's a brand to kind of aspire to in terms of what a micro brand can become. Like yeah. I, I think they've done an amazing job, um, in terms of their growth and, what they've been able to do in terms of movements. And honestly, I think their value proposition is like crazy good when you consider everything that are in those pieces. Um, so that, yeah, that that's a brand that I, I respect a lot. Um, I, re I recently picked up um, some Richard Myers, uh, which is a Danish brand. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen those. No, that's new to me. Let me, let me grab one. Let's do a yeah, wrist yeah, check yeah. while we're doing that. <laughs> Go ahead. Actually, I'll grab a couple other pieces. <clears throat> I decided I'm gonna I'm gonna keep wearing my uh, I'm gonna keep oh, wearing yeah, my prototype until until I get my watches. So uh, all my wrist <laughs> checks are my prototype. <laughs> Dude, yeah, most of what I wear is prototypes, right? Because those are the ones you get to keep. So yeah, <laughs> I just sold one of my prototypes. Uh, Last week or two weeks ago, I'm like, That's man, rough. should I have done that? It's hard to get rid of <laughs> prototypes, man. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that this was the the watch I was talking about. It was this uh, 
Richard oh, Meyer yeah. Automatisk. Okay. And it's, huh. it's like, um, it's a minimalist sort of design that I actually like. And mm -hmm. most of the time when I hear minimalist or whatever, I, I end up not liking what's on the receiving end of that. But this one really spoke to me. And I, I find that that's true with like, I think, you know, most, most watch guys end up developing like uh, sort of like this code for what they like and they don't like, like if this has Roman numerals, no, if this is over a certain size, no, you know, if it has a, uh, asymmetry in the dial no and like i i definitely develop i have my own sort of code with with that and every time i find a watch that goes against what what that predetermined sort of set is but i still like it that ends up mm. almost always being a watch i get because like okay it must be really special if you can yeah. break my rules and i still like <laughs> yeah, yeah that, no that makes sense <laughs> That's great though, because you know, people do have their their styles that they stick to and stuff. But you know, even even with having you know your your set styles and everything, you can still appreciate other areas of the industry. You know, I, I just did a review a few weeks back on uh, the de facto um, manufacturing. Uh, standard transit and it won German design awards 2020 for luxury goods. And, you know, to me, like, you know, your first, at first glance, it's just a simple sterile dial with, with plain markers and stuff like that. But when you really dig into it, you see all the little curves of the shape of the case and, and how thin it is. And uh, yeah. where the at a 28, 24 movement, you know, like they thinned it out pretty damn good. You know what I mean? Uh, and the strap that came on and all that stuff, you know, it, it, when you look at, okay, well, their price is like $1,100. Like, I don't see $1,100 here. But then when you really dive into it and, and then you look at it from uh, from a perspective of somebody that is into minimalist watch, yep. they realize, okay, yeah, I see it now. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, I feel like our biggest challenge as a micro brand or as micro brands is the fact that there's so many brands that come and they give their stuff away and then they come and they look at like, your watch and they're like, well, you have yeah, a $600 watch, but this guy's selling his watch for 400 and it's got the same movement. And it's like, well, it's not about, I mean, it's not yeah. about the movement. It's I'm about the design of the case or, you know, the depth rating or, you know, all these other factors. The hours that went in designing. <laughs> The, yeah. you know all that the marketing everything that goes into it i mean it's not the watches are not just <laughs> movements <It's, laughs> there's a lot more to it recently recently I've, I've been toying actually with making a video myself about this um about just going just explaining more of like the cost breakdown uh, of a watch because for me um the, the movement like the the biggest the big, I think the biggest misconception right now in the micro brand world is that the movement is far and away the most expensive component in every watch ever and <laughs> therefore it dictates the price of that watch and that's not true for, for me my my cases cost way more than my movements like you have you you pick you pick like a target for for your your watch like I want to make a $600 diver okay there's a set like a uh, sort of like these fixed costs that you're not going to be able to get away from just like base level materials, all this stuff that's going to go in there. Okay. 
you decide I need to make at least this much money off of this watch to, you know, figure out you know, to, to keep living and to keep making new stuff. Yeah. Right. So you have your profit margin. So you have your, these like baked in costs, this profit margin, and then the, the, the tart, the, your target market. So the difference between those, the difference between those like uh, sums is where you get to play. Right. So you can put that money into a nicer movement into like, uh, or not even necessarily a nicer movement, a more expensive movement, yeah. a movement or, yeah. or whatever. A, you can put that, or you can put that money into doing a cooler case or whatever it is, you know, whatever, whatever you want to upgrade to differentiate yourself. And for me, it's like the movement, I, I can't innovate there like at all. Right. There's, it's just a bog standard movement, you know, there's, there's really nothing that at this level that we can do that's like super innovative yeah. in the design. That's where I choose to spend that, that money. Cause I, that's where I can actually like do new things. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so for me, that's, uh, that's kind of how I approach it. Well, here's the question that the, the, the community seems to, seems to want to ask is why do you get a profit margin? <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> why do you that's, have, why, why do you get to make money from 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 doing from making watches? <laughs> yeah, I. Well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. That 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 is what it feels like a lot of times, though. It is. It is. In a lot of cases. Yeah, and and the the waters the waters have been muddied by all of the factory Chinese factory brands that are essentially posing like you and I. Yeah. Um, and they're going to produce at such a volume and have so many other clients. That they can afford to to slash their margins down like razor thin on some stuff, even if it's just to drive some people out, you know. Um, yeah, I think it's it's there. I think it's a lot of the watch clubs that's out there that you know that flood the market with with several you know a lot of the same stuff, and then you find the same stuff on eBay for super cheap, and yeah. then that devalues the industry in itself. And uh, there's a lot of things out there that that make things difficult for for what we try to do yeah for sure yeah like the, the just the single enthusiast run micro brand um yeah there's definitely some challenges for sure in, in, in that um and yeah i think you know like the I, I the the mainstream brands that you're competing against their profit margins are way more than than ours you know mm -hmm. like they're going to be at like 5x all the way up to 10x mm -hmm. um, most of the time and, but they, they have different things that they have to pay for, right? They have to pay for these gigantic staffs and advertising and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, that's where that price is going towards. Whereas for us, we have this smaller, it might be the same price of a watch, but more of that money, you know, because we have to support less overhead, more of that money is going into the actual piece. Yeah. And that's the that's the whole appeal of of micro and independent brands is because we get to do that. You know, we get to yeah. be crazy with our designs. We get to do new stuff. And and but whenever we have people in the community, it's like, you know, what, uh, you know, if, if the movement costs this, why am I paying this for it? Well, you know, the, it's not just the movement, you know, uh, you said that probably your cases is the most expensive thing that goes into your watch. For By far. Me, I, I feel like my time is the most expensive. Oh, well, sure, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and whenever you get people asking you for free watches and stuff like that, it, it really kind of hits home. Like, you know, well, 
are, are you, you know, are you saying that my time isn't worth anything? Are you saying, yeah. that, you know what I mean? It, and it does kind of rub you the wrong way. Yeah, I don't really play the free watch game. That <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I learned. I learned. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh! So I have this um, strap maker on Instagram that just won't stop. <laughs> and <laughs> it's like, oh, I want to, I want to um, feature your watch on my straps for my ads. Blah blah blah, and. I'm like, okay, so what's the, you know, what, what is your criteria, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, uh, just send me a watch. I'll keep it and I'll let, and I'm like, wait a minute. You want me to give you a watch for your straps? I feel like this should be the other way around because your product goes on my product. <laughs> like, I'm like, uh, I'm not understanding this process, especially since I've had other strap makers, you know, offer discounts or, or a free sample, things like that to test out their product on my watches. So it's the, the, I had, uh, I mean, we, why do we all get these crazy people that are trying to get a free one? So I, I, I highly suspect I've been approached by the same guy. Uh, <laughs> Probably. <laughs> so much. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, Hey, I'd like to do a collaboration. Okay. What's the collaboration? Yeah. Send yeah. Me one. You get yeah. That's not a collaboration. Not yeah. not what are you talking about <laughs> i mean so so at this point for me I, i'm a strap guy so i buy um lately i've bought um a number of straps off of seven strap um trina she's great um she has reasonable prices she has any kind of material you want and mm -hmm. she can make an incredible strap out of whatever you're thinking of so <laughs> that, i mean not to be a getting a free plug in there, but, um, she's awesome. I, no, yeah, she's she's totally great. Great. Um, pirates in Italy, Stefano, he's really good too. But anyway, that's my, that's my uh, strap plug for the day. You guys are <laughs> <talking>. <laughs> I'm trying to see, oh, this is, sorry, just on the strap topic. Um, this was my, my most recent strap acquisition was this waxed camo from, mm -hmm. from D lugs. And this strap is absolute fire. It's one of the it's one of the nicest ones that I have. And it's a nice uh, Veil Park. Yes. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> about like straps and things like that. Like let's go back to a little bit uh, to the beginning. Like how was it? Like you decided to go ahead and try your your own brand. Like how did you start sourcing manufacturing and sourcing your supply chain? Yeah. Well, that was the that was the most challenging part. Um, for sure. Like I felt like I had a pretty decent grasp on the engineering side of things. I could do my own CAD, like, uh, everything else. Um, not absolutely abysmal at photography. Um, but you know, actually finding where to have this stuff made, you know, that, that was definitely the, the most challenging part. Um, what I did a lot actually was cause, uh, there's, you know, these, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, trade shows, yeah. trade shows for uh, manufacturers. You know, we we hear about Bat or we used to hear about Baselworld and like all yeah. these other big trade shows for the brands. But there's also trade shows for these manufacturers, um, and none, but none of them happen in America. So you know, yeah. it's like you can't you can't just go to them. But what you can do is go online to the trade show site, download their vendor list, and then see who's attending, see who makes what. Um, and then contact the people that you're interested in. So that was kind of how I started 
worming my way through uh, figuring out how to get all these various pieces made it's without like getting on a plane and traveling all across the world. You know, yeah, yeah, a lot of brands do that. You know, they travel to China four or five times before they even yeah. make their own their first watch. You know, and it that's another thing that you know people don't realize the the cost that goes into making a a watch. You know, you, that's you know finding your supply chain, finding you know a lot of trial and error, prototyping process. Yep. You know, this is all money and and time that goes into making a product that 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 a lot of people don't take into consideration whenever they're like, okay, well, uh, you know, this person, I can find a watch that looks almost like that on eBay for $200. Why would I buy it from you for 500? Well, you know, this is why, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think sometimes we have a tendency to look at the Chinese factory as this monolithic entity yeah. And it's not it, there. It's like any other country. They have people that are good at making things and people that are bad at making things. And you can get a case from China that sucks because the people there aren't that great, you know, and you can pay a, a lot of money if you find the right factory there. That's also making swatch group stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's just it. You know, like a lot of people think that, that everything comes from, Swatch is Swiss and this and that, but there's there's a lot of things that's that's Swiss made that's made in China. Oh yeah, a hundred yeah, a lot. <laughs> um, I mean, a, a lot of people would be surprised at exactly how much Swiss yeah. stuff is made in China. Yeah, that and that's like sad. part of the reason that what's that? I said sad. <laughs> it breaks my yeah. heart. Anyways. It's eye opening. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to, I don't, I don't remember the exact, because I know they fiddled with the number, but I think it, it used to be just like 51% of the end value had to be Swiss to get the Swiss made value, the Swiss made label. And they might've bumped that up a bit. I think it's 60, um, 40 now. 60, 40. Okay. I believe so. Um, but yeah, that's like another thing that is slightly um, annoying for pe people who are like in, in deep into the industry about like the whole, movement uh you know um yeah this is for the, the swiss made movements which you know most of them are are going to have all these chinese components exactly. and they might get assembled, assembled in switzerland or something um but then you know the the swiss brands you know like the hamiltons and tissots or whoever who are who are also using these eta movements they don't pay at all what you and i pay for that yeah right so it's it's only an expensive movement for someone outside the group right yeah. like for them i don't know maybe it's 20 bucks and for you and i it's 120 bucks so it's kind of like this artificial thing but people can look it up right like you can go online and you can look up uh you can find at a movements to buy and know exactly how much it is relative to a miota and then you just you just build this bias in your head that okay well if i'm paying x for a watch then i definitely need to be at least getting this movement um, and I, you know, I, I think that Eta movements are nicer on average than, than the Miotas, but in terms of performance per dollar and, you know, mm -hmm. and all the other factors, serviceability that comes in, um, you know, I would rather save that money, go with a Miota and put the money that I saved into casework, you know, and, and getting the best factories to make the cases. I and I mean, 
let's let's face it. If we compare an Etta twenty eight twenty four to a, a Myota ninety fifteen, neither of them are going to be a COC or a COSC standard. You know, they're both going to be accurate, but. Does yeah. anybody wear their watch consecutively enough to know how accurate it really is? Yeah, because it depends how much you're. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, and, and let's kind of talk about that. How you know, shit rolls downhill. <laughs> I I don't I don't ever really want to use it at a movement at all. I mean, I used to love the movements but because of what they've done to the industry and and the waves that they've caused like i would never use one i mean um, like we straight up said we don't want your business and then they're like okay i guess we we're gonna sell you some because we're, we're hurting or whatever but like just fyi we don't actually want your business <laughs> <laughs> but it's not only that but uh, you know the okay we're only gonna sell to the swatch group and then like you said okay well We'll sell you a little bit because we want some money, yeah. and, and they charge us outrageous prices. And and then you know, Salita doesn't have the manpower or or the facilities to to bridge that gap and, and to cover all of the stuff that that Etta was covering. So now their their movements are, are uh, wait list and prices jacked up. Yeah. And the next one on the line is uh, the Miyota 9015 or 9000 series. Now their their prices are jacked up and wait times are are yeah. super long. So it just it caused this wave in the industry that I just I, it, it it irks me to see it. So like that's that's one reason why I personally would never put it at a movement in an iconic watch. Hmm. I'm still cheering for STP. Um, I dealt with them. I ordered a, like a batch of like, I think five movements um, <laughs> like a year, a year ago. And I've had zero problems with any of those movements. Um, as long as you regulate them and yeah, you have the yeah. time to regulate each one, man, they are strong and powerful movements. They're great movements. Yeah. That, that was another, re one of the reasons that I wanted to pick up this, this watch was cause it had an STP and I didn't own, own one with the STP yet. So I kind of wanted to give it a test drive. I've heard some, you know, less than successful stories from other brand owners, but yeah, I guess I have no idea of how much yeah. sweat they're putting into the regulation or, or whatever um, yeah. before it must go out. My manufacturer. I mean, that, that's a good question. And I think for, for, so I could buy, you know, a hundred movements direct for a fraction of the price that I could get at a 2824s for. So it's like, would it be worth it to have some, you know, to regulate those? Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's a good question. We probably could ask um, Naoki from Gropa Gamma because he regulates every one of his watches and they're all spot on. He is phenomenal with the regulation, but that'd be a question to ask him um, about that. But um, is that, is that movement? Is it a, an 11 one? An STP eleven one is it? I think it's I think it's one eleven. Let me. Yeah, I, I get my numbers flipped sometimes. One dash eleven. Yeah. Yeah. According to this watch, at least. Yeah. So I mean that that's their base movement, and then they have a uh, I think it's a thirteen dash one or something like that. That's a little bit better and a little bit more. Um, yeah. So I'm that's my next move is to get a couple of those that are the next step up. And see yeah. how they, um, but I got two of the 
six dash thirteens, the black skeleton movements or the skeleton movements. I got them in black. You can get them in several different colors. They're they're gorgeous movements. That's um, awesome. I'll send you a picture of one of my samples of that. But um, yeah, please do. I'm, I'm going to get that next step up and, and get a handful of those and see how they run. I know it's not a great sample, but get at least a feel for it. Sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you really want to try to come across one of the ones that are have the defect in them and stuff like that, so you can actually see what is going into what the issue is. Know, yeah, what you're looking for. Yeah, I would be. I mean, the best. I don't know how you would find this out, but like, if you could find a defect rate for zodiacs, right? Because they're like the primary consumer of STP movements. You know that that would be a very large sample size. Yeah. And I, maybe, maybe STP treats the ones that are going to Zodiac differently than like, oh, just get out the door to something that's third party. I don't know. That could be too, but. Yeah. Um, Chris did, um, he put those in the Devil Ray for, the, I guess, the first batch, I think. Um, yeah. That sounds right. He might be able to shoot them on too. Yeah. But notice also, yeah, I, uh, Sean had just mentioned, notice, yeah, they, they used to use STP-111 in a lot of their stuff. And, and they're very hands-on, too. So they they yeah. regulate each movement. And great couple of guys. Uh, I met them in yeah. BC also. Yeah. Great guys. I mean, that's the thing. I, I wouldn't mind doing it if it was during the summertime <laughs> uh, when, I'm, when I'm off work, I guess. Right. But doing it for 300 watches might be a little... Well, painful. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, can't, I can't say that regulation is my like absolute most favorite thing to do. So <laughs> <laughs> it seems like very tedious work when, you, when you're, you're doing volume of anything, you know. So yeah. having to double check each one, it, it, it can be very tedious. And well, you know, watchmaking is to begin with. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I have more experience doing it with American pocket watches than. Um, Swiss movements <laughs> or, or any other movement for that matter. So that, well, that's the a other... good question. What, what do you think of the, uh, the AmeriCorps and, and the, um, the new mechanical movement that they're making over there in Arizona? I have only heard uh, a little bit about it. Um, I think, I mean, I think that's a great endeavor. Um, I would want to see, you know, visit the facility and, and see it in person um, America, the only brand that I know that I can recall right off the top of my head that's using them is Minuteman has mm -hmm. those courts. Um, I've, and I mean, I haven't heard any complaints or anything like that. Um, so yeah, he was their first paying customer. Was he? Yeah. They actually have his wire transfer framed on the wall. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> have, have you, have you been there? Uh, no, I, I actually, I just, I had like a three hour conversation with, uh, with the guy, um, a few Gary. days ago. Gary. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, he just a great guy. He did invite us out to, to see the facility and everything. Um, mm -hmm. now, and they're very transparent about everything. They actually use a facility and a company over in India that are making the components and stuff like that. And then they assemble them over here in the U S but this company okay. is one of the biggest companies in the world. They, they design and manufacture Jaguar, uh, you know, a lot of big name, um, uh, uh, cars and, and a lot of different stuff. So uh, it's, 
it's it's a very reputable, very quality company. And eventually, of course, he would like to bring complete, you know, manufacturing over to the U.S. But just the machines, just just the cost of the machines to run it, even the the cost to run the machines is millions of dollars a year. So it it, it yeah. would have to be a balancing act, and the movements could possibly be seven eight thousand dollars a piece. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The the my biggest challenge with their um, mechanical, their automatic movement that they're coming out is it's a size twelve, so mm-hmm. I can't pop that in something that I, I'm already making to see, you know, to give it a test. It's a whole new yeah, case, they, you know. Yeah, the last time that Gary uh, that I was talking with him about it, um, I was considering doing a, like a manual wind flatter kind of watch, and so so I asked him about that and uh that that was yeah that was the one thing that i i wished that the thickness for their manual wind movement was actually pretty thick um compared to like just what is currently available and so i really wished that yeah for like the the manual wind that it would be like really focused in on being low profile um because that that is a hard thing to um that's like an in-demand sort of thing to have a, you know, to maximize thinness now. And kind of, you kind of get capped at four millimeters for most, most of what we can get. I did see, and um, Andy uh, from malls brought this up to, to, uh, in one of the groups, there's a a nine zero one nine, which is, I guess, just a shorter head to make everything a little bit slimmer. Yeah. Yeah, It's not not manual wine, but it's like, Oh, like, that's already a super slim movement. I think it's the it's the component that from the nine oh three nine from the dateless, um, which has shorter hand height. Uh, and I think that's just yeah, they're just updating the nine oh one five with that. Okay. Right. I just went through that with, that with I just went through that update, that technical update on the shallows actually, because uh, back when I originally designed the the Dune Shore shallows, I had the um, 9015 and then the 39 came out and so it was like oh okay perfect because uh, the you know, might as well just have a dateless version yeah that i mean that's that's what i jumped on for the raider for my watch like that's nice. perfect. that dead spot's terrible <laughs> yeah i can't do that i can't i i, I that, that would those are the little things as a watch guy that that irks me that you know, like, <laughs> you know i hate the ghost position uh I actually put a, a 2801, which is a manual wind edit movement that's the same size as a 2824, in one of my B2s um, to eliminate that. And that's what I'm getting ready to put in that evolution project that I'm working on. Hmm. It's, a, it's a good movement. Um, Kevin, so he, had some, yeah. he had some really good accuracy out of that, that movement, and he was very pleased. So. So yeah, so and it's pretty cool. slim too. You can see the extra space in the case back because oh, of really? yeah, in the B two. Because nice. I only made I only made a few of those. So, what do you got coming up in the uh, in the next like year here? What 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 do you want to do in the next say year to five years? Year to five years? Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, year first, and then uh, short term, and then long term goal. Yeah, yeah. So, 
this year's big project is the Dune Shore Shallows, which is the sort of casual diver interpretation of the Dune Shore. Um, and so that is currently in production right now. Um, yeah, as long as the world doesn't freak out too much more, then hopefully it'll be done in October. Um, so the, right now the plan is to open up like that wait list, interest list in July, um, have first sales start in um, October. Probably the bulk of sales and deliveries will happen in November. So just in time for like the holiday season and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, once that's done, I think I'll probably do uh, in 2021, I'll start off with uh, new production runs of the original Dune Shore and the Vale Park because those both have um, wait lists with you know pe people waiting to be able to buy those. Um, so why not make those again? Um, and then I think then I'll then I'll be off into new design territory, and uh, I've got a bunch of candidates, and I think I know which one I want to make, but I'm not I'm not totally committed to it yet. Mm -hmm. Be behind my computer screen here, I've got a bunch of uh, 3D prints sitting on my desk, so mm -hmm. I can look at them every day and you know decide I sway one way or the other which one is going to be the next uh next model to how get do you made. do that how do you do that like i know i have a hard time because like i love doing the design work i love you know putting my mark on things and it seems like every single de design that i come up with that i really really love it's kind of like your baby you know so it's like <laughs> how do you choose how do you play favorites it's tough man it's it's a combination of just like just time, uh, I guess, just, you know, just seeing these designs over and over again. And, um, you know, because you're working so far out, you have the um, luxury, although it's kind of agonizing, you have the luxury of experiencing this design for a, a longer period of time to see if like, eh, you kind of get over it, like it loses its novelty, or if you still really love it, you know. Um, and then, it's also just kind of where the market's at once it's like time for me, it's where the market's at once it's time to, to actually pull the trigger on a, on a production launch. Um, so if I feel like if, if for whatever reason, towards the end of next year, a bunch of designs suddenly emerge that, you know, have some sort of similarity with what I'm doing, then maybe I would lean in another way. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So how but, did you decide to do, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say the one, the one that I'm, the one that I'm leaning towards would be the second entry into the, um, the officer family. So with the veil in the veil park. So like the Linden, the Dune Shore, the Dune Shore shells are all in the Calligraph family. They all have the pen nib hands. And then right now the veil park is the only one in the officer collection. So it seems like it should get a buddy. Um, <laughs> and so that's probably what I'll do. I was going to ask you how you decided to do the shallows next since we're kind of on that topic. Yeah. Well, uh, sort of, sort of what I described, like I've had that watch, man, when did I, I think I initially revealed that design in like 2015 or 2016. Wow. Um, because I had, what's that? You said you've been sitting on that for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so the, you know, the Dune, after the Dune Shore launched, um, and I got through the whole hullabaloo of <laughs> of actually 
producing and delivering those. Um, you know, it was a pretty, pretty successful launch and I wanted to try and roll that out into like a, a larger um, company, I guess, earlier on. So I decided to try and make a play for like a venture capital investment. So I had the Vale Park, the Linden and the Dune Shore Shallows, all the like tooling and prototypes for all those um, done and, you know, kind of like unveiled them and uh, then got, you know, saw what the response was, had these wait lists made all to kind of like make a package to be like, this is, you know, kind of like if you put the investment into this, there's all these people, you know, who are waiting to um, get these watches. Um, and that, that didn't work out, you know, that ended up falling through. Um, so then I just had to slowly roll them out one by one on my own linear growth track. Um, so it was the Vail Park first and then the Linden and now the Dune Shore Shallows. Um, so it was a combination of the fact that I already had all the tooling done for the Shallows, aside from the parts that I decided to, to redesign. Um, and then, you know, even after these five years, I still love putting that prototype on. And so that's that's a pretty good long-term test. Yeah, yeah. And it's still, I mean, it's still like five years later, that design was still looking pretty fresh to me, regardless of, you know, despite everything that's come since then. Yeah. And Even to, to put this the, in perspective, uh, to put this in perspective about the Dune Shore, it originally came out on Kickstarter in 2014 and it's yeah. had a waiting list for that whole time. <laughs> uh just about, yeah. Yeah. And I mean and you know if you're around the communities that sell watches or if you're in some of those sales groups like I've only seen maybe three or, you know, just a few of them for, for sale. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal. Like people get the, the watch and they don't let go of it because it's so unique. It's, I mean, it's a gorgeous piece and it, it's, there's, there is no, there's no competition for you as far as the styling cues, the, the look of it. It's just, it's, it's in its own class in a lot of ways. Thanks man. I appreciate that. Given the uh, the level of success that you've had with Visitor, thinking back, are you glad that the venture capitalist round didn't go through and that you've been able to achieve it on your own? Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it it I guess it's like anything, right? Like there's there's trade offs there. Like uh, you know, doing it kind of doing it and retaining a hundred percent ownership. I'm sure has has benefits that I'm kind of unaware of, like where, where mm -hmm. if I had somebody else who had a, a voting say over over certain aspects. Um, at the same time, I've got like a big, a pretty decent backlog of designs that I'd love to see made one day, and I would mm -hmm. I wish I could be further along in that. You know, like that's that's kind of the the give and take, I guess. Yeah, definitely. But I mean, I just, it, it has to feel good that, that you've gotten to where you are now, just on your own yeah. back, your own merit, on your own, you know. Definitely, uh, yeah. Because Visitor is one of the one of the brands that's been around for forever now, you know, since pretty much almost the beginning of, of micro brands. And, and you guys are doing extremely well as far as, like Brad said, you know, when you see a lot of, uh, when you see a lot of a certain watch in the resale and the gray market that says something you know like people get the watch and they hang on to it and then the newness dies off and then they get rid of it 
But yeah, if you don't see a lot of visitor watches in the in the community for resale, that says a lot about the brand. That says you know people get it and they don't want to let go of it. So that's huge. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I think um, you know, like sometimes you get a watch and you you don't um, you don't bond with it, right? Like, mm -hmm. and I think it's something that people maybe fall victim to. Um, Cause, cause all these micro brands almost, you know, are almost always sold online and you haven't actually held the watch until yeah. you, uh, until you take delivery of it. Um, and so just as a consequence of that, people end up spec, spec sheet shopping, yeah. um, and, and buying a watch purely by the specs doesn't always translate into an emotional connection with that watch. Um, and I've gotten, a few pieces over the years that I was like, man, that's a killer deal. Like that seems really sweet. And then like, after a while, I'm just like, you know, like this watch is insane value, but I don't, I just don't love it, you know? And mm -hmm. so you move it on or it sits there. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, w I'm, I went through a, a meteorite dial phase. So I had like probably six. Everybody did. <laughs> yeah. But so I'm like starting to come out of it a little bit and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to sell these and I'll sell those. And I'm going to get some other stuff. And um, it's funny because I was on your website and I got back on the Dunshore waiting list again. And I'm oh, like, oh, the sub. I'm going to want, I'm going to want the sub. So <laughs> I'll probably get the shallows and so, you know, depending on the time and everything, but, but the shallows is, that's a, I'll, I'll wear that. I'll keep that one. I want to take a quick moment for uh, some of the guys in the comment section here. Sean Buchanan, he's actually my partner with uh, with Iconic Timepieces. He helps me out a lot with with uh, promoting and, and helping me get the word out. He does all the merch for us and stuff like that. So Sean has been in the comments the whole time. One of the guys to look out for is this guy that just popped up on the screen, Robert Morrison. And I've seen some of his designs here recently. He hasn't made a watch yet, but uh, I introduced him to my manufacturer. Uh, because I seen I seen some of his drawings and they look phenomenal. Talk about like you know uh, innovative, new, um, risky designs, and and yeah. he he's really got a nice nice eye for design. He's he's out of Par are you out of Paris, Robert? I, I think he's from Paris, but really cool watches. I can't wait to see like actual physical pieces. I, I'm the odd guy out here because I'm a traditionalist. <laughs> um, like the the designs that I have in mind for the future are like from like the 1920s and 40s and stuff like that. I'm like I'm gonna bring this back and I'm gonna bring that back. I mean, I'm gonna funny. change. It. I'm gonna change it, but it's very yeah. true. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. I mean, there's definitely stuff to be mined there, you know. And that it that it kind of it kind of begs the question, like why do you say it's a little annoying sometimes to see the same things get mined over and over again when like. Well, Jeez, the vintage, the vintage pool is so ridiculously enormous. You know, there's a lot you could. <laughs> yeah, you know. I think my next case is going to be from a uh, a 1920s Illinois, and it's mm -hmm. uh, it kind of is a Torno case, but um, it's it's almost like if you take like a Torno case and then like one of Frank Miller's case and merge it a little bit. Okay. I mean, the traditional versus the Frank Miller styling, if that makes sense at all. I think so. Yeah. I'm, I'm not describing it very well right now, but <laughs> yeah, kind of the same. Maybe, like maybe you'll see it this time next year. 
<laughs> but I mean, it's it's kind of got a Frank Miller style, but then it's got like um, like a what is it, Drav Dravril? Do you guys are you guys familiar with oh. uh, Dravril? G E V R I L. Yeah, they're yeah. a little more square. Oh, so yeah. yeah, so they're a little more squarish. Where Frank Miller's is a little more bubbly. So yeah. it's kind of like something in between there is what I'm trying to okay. get audio folks <laughs> for everybody. I guess we don't have anything to show, but it, it, it's funny. It's funny. It's it's all here. Brad brings up the whole um, him being the odd man out between the three of us because and we haven't announced this yet or anything. So whoever's watching now get first uh, listen for it. But him and I are actually collaborating on a piece together and we're we're designing a piece together so oh, you're gonna do a free watch right. and you're yeah. gonna listen to your site yeah yeah <laughs> so putting his style and my style together has been it's been, it's been very interesting all right oh no i'm stoked, I'm stoked to see that that's cool and me too because we <laughs> yeah. we're gonna have to start flipping a coin at some point yeah sure. you get the hands <laughs> 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 yeah. So yeah. So we're working on a piece together. Um, it'll be uh, uh, we'll have some bronze and some stainless steel cases. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be cool, man. I think that um, you know, having such different styles and then trying to mesh it together, it, I think is gonna come out really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, at, at least like yeah, you're, you're. It's easy enough to tie in the iconic name with you know these old iconic designs. You know that it seems like you can make a logical crossover there. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be interesting for sure. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see what we come up with. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? We're we're on a good uh, path though. Yeah, good. yeah. I mean, a lot of stuff that we we we've put on the table so far is really really interesting stuff and it's it's definitely going to be different that's for sure yeah yeah different is good um yeah 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 it can be scary it can be scary i mean like you know with your case designs like there's there's so different than anything else out there so like you mentioned earlier, it's a bold move. It's a bold move to, to, to do that. At least now your style is out there and it is the visitor watch style. You know, it, it kind of has its own category now. Um, but before, when you first came out in 2014, it had to be a little bit nerve wracking to come oh, up yeah. with such a bold move. Yeah. I hadn't shown anybody what that watch looked like aside from like my family. Yeah. Uh, and then I just, you know, I just remember putting that post on Watch You Seek in, uh, and people digging it, you know, and like, obviously it's polarizing, you know, like not everybody loves it, but like, um, I remember one guy and I have no idea who this was, uh, commenting though on that like original post, like, uh, I'm glad that you didn't show me like a drawing of this or a render of this. Cause I would have said, this is sucks or, you know, whatever, <laughs> but like seeing the finished piece, like what it actually looks like in the metal on your wrist, all this stuff, it like, it makes sense. Um, and I, I still get that with uh, people who have only seen pictures of a Dune versus seeing one in person. 
Yeah. Um, again, you know, that's a big challenge for any micro brand is people, you know, don't get to go hands on with your stuff super often. And again, why, you know, these watch shows, you know, it'll be great when they'll start up when, when just like red bars and watch meetups can happen again. Cause that's when people get to go like hands on with, with this stuff they normally wouldn't see. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've had people like email me before being like, Hey, um, saw when your watches in person last night, it totally makes sense now. Like I didn't mm -hmm. like it before but like in person it makes a lot of sense and um you know like there's all these sort of complex surfacing going on that you can't capture in, in just one picture yeah um, so you know until you have it on your wrist and like you can experience all those angles simultaneously it's tough to communicate that sometimes yeah, yeah i mean like they like feeling the way the case back sits on your wrist like it, oh, yeah. and it's, it's details like that. It's just like, I mean, it like, it's like a hat on your head, you know, a well-fitting <laughs> hat, you know, it's right. just, it's just, it's made to be on your wrist. It's not a flat brick or, I mean, just the angles, like that's, that's the first thing I thought of was how it felt on my wrist. It was so comfortable and it was nice and smooth. It was, I, I feel like it's rounded around my wrist to, yeah. to be so it was very comfortable piece and you don't see you don't think you don't think of that even even when you see the curve back i don't think a lot of people see that because they see all those uh those sharper angles of the watch and the case and it's like no this is phenomenal it's mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a beautiful yeah piece. it doesn't have um like a like a much of a break-in period um in my no. biased opinion obviously um, like you strap it on and it just like immediately feels right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it is, it's, it's very easy to wear. It's very easy to wear. Thanks. Man. Um, I always, I always worked to the symphony. <laughs> so that was oh, my symphony watch. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's something uh, that like, if somebody's looking at watches, they're going to see that and they're like, what is that? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Because most people, whenever they or, or watch designers, whenever they they try to make something comfortable, you know, that you you see different curved lugs and stuff like that. But to have the actual case back curve like that, man, like I haven't put one on. Like I seen them in, in DC, but I I, I I didn't actually put one on because my wrists are so big. Like I don't do leather straps. Mm. I mean, you can you can't stretch the leather to fit the wrist, but you can always buy more legs. I did see your bracelets. <laughs> and, and that is one of the things that um, uh, the class the, the, for the butterfly. I mean, Y'all yeah. got to go on the website. Yeah. Uh, um, Brad put up his website in the comments here. Y'all definitely got to check out the website and check out everything that Phil is up to, man. It, it's a lot of cool stuff, man. I, I definitely look up to you as a, a watch designer because, um, like I said, a lot of stuff that you do and I do are very very in the same streamline of things and uh, I, I, I love to see like the, the, the shapes of the indices the ones that you went with match up with the hands and I mean there's just a lot of things that I look at and be like god damn I wish I would have done that <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, that indice shape is actually like the the shape of the beads of rice too I don't think I'll be able to get close enough to it but that yeah. teardrop is what each bead is yeah. in the break so that geometry carries through and then obviously I the love that look same I kind mean, of like faceted cushion as the the case yeah yeah i, I love that look you know uh, taking 
uh, stuff like teardrops or diamond shapes or, or stuff that you don't normally see on a watch, you know, and, and being able to integrate it into your design is, is really cool. I love, love to see it. Thank you. Yeah, guys, for everybody listening that isn't watching, it's uh, visitorwatchco.com. Visitorwatchco.com. So definitely check them out. Uh, we got Vida914, Daryl. Uh, he said, thanks. He saw, um, saw some visitor watches on the, I, I'm, think, I'm guessing that's the Random Rob channel. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, Rob actually posted a video of a Linden yesterday. Oh, um, he, oh yeah, had, that's right. I did see that. Yeah. He had the Larkspur there. Um, and before that, I think one of his uh, followers had owned a, a snowfall linden and had sent that into him so he's seen those two and uh, he's also seen a, a dune shore but that was some years ago i think how does and it feel like uh, linden? in the industry for for several years now and and being able to have like you know you're obviously a member of the community but being able to have like waiting lists for your stuff like how does that feel going from from those first releases of those images and being so nervous to now you got people waiting for your shit to come out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's definitely, it's a, it's a luxury, right? Like to, uh, and not something that I take for granted cause it's not going to happen on every single design that I ever make, you know? So like, it's awesome that at least for the Dune Shore and the Vale Park, those two have resonated so strongly with people, um, to, yeah, for, for, uh, demand to, um, exceed supply but yeah like i i don't do uh you know it's a it's it's more of an interest list than a waiting list i i don't know like because I, I don't ask for anything like you're just putting your name on a list and then i'll contact you purely in chronological order you don't have to pay anything it's just saying hey i like this and i'd like the chance to buy one when one of it yeah um so yeah i don't know like it's uh that that's really nice and then it also helps me from a practical uh, standpoint where um, I will open like maybe, you know, 30 spots at a time. And then that kind of controls the flow of what I can assemble and get out the door as mm -hmm. opposed to like, just being like, Hey, I'm going to open the floodgates tonight. And <laughs> orders that are all supposed to go out tomorrow. It's like, you know, so I, that helps me. Uh, regulate things to a manageable level so that people um, are placing their order and then the watch is actually going out the door the next day. You know, that that's because yeah. like, you know, like the first Kickstarter experience as great as it was also scarred me a bit because I had, I'd take, I accepted people's money and then I wasn't able to deliver something, um, you know, for so long and that felt horrible. And so, you know, I really wanted to make changes to get away from that so that, um, you know, you're buying a watch and then it's coming to you ASAP. That is a tough one for when you run uh, Kickstarter campaigns. You know, nobody likes to, to you know, hold on to somebody. Uh, that's what I don't get about some of the creators on Kickstarter and why Kickstarter has such a bad name to begin with. Because, you know, there's so many creators that just kind of clams up and, and don't uh, actually one of the ones right now that was very prevalent in the community um hasn't given an update in over two months and not answering emails is the uh nardi watches they ran a campaign right before mine 
And oh, really? Yeah, he hasn't answered anybody in two months. Jeez. And I, I reached out to him just recently. I do. I uh, Every Friday, I, I send out an update, and every Sunday, I do a live feed to answer any you know, any Q and A on, 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 uh, YouTube or Facebook. I don't understand the whole hiding. Don't get rid of the issue. If you have yeah. an issue, tell everybody about it. And they're usually 99%. They'll be on board. You might catch a little flack for it, but yeah. most, most of the time people understand things. I was honestly, um, so yeah, for anyone listening who, who uh, doesn't remember, uh, the visitor launch, um, everything, you know, was, I was queued to deliver on time. The shipment showed up on time and I was so excited that I was going to be able to deliver everything on time. Um, but, uh, unfortunately the, the box of watches landed on my doorstep a bit wrecked and inside were just a bunch of scratched up, dented up, chewed up watches. Mm -hmm. And it ended up essentially being a complete redo um and that was horrible that was like one of the most depressing days of my life yeah, was that and, and opening it up and seeing what was inside um but i was honestly still i i'm shocked at how many people didn't revolt like when you when yeah. i sent out that update i thought you know it was going to be pitchforks and torches <laughs> you know but like Almost most people were so nice, you know, yeah. and, and understanding. And it it sucks having to wait as long as you as long as they had to do, which was like a year, you know, to do two productions essentially to get it yeah. done. Um, but again, as long as you're communicating with people, um, that that's the key because otherwise, you know, your imagination kind of runs wild. Like you know, yeah. is this often you know off with my money or what. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's scary for somebody, you know. Watches aren't cheap, you know. You ask somebody to give you four, five hundred dollars, and and then you know you have that. And I just I don't believe in clamming up, you know. If yeah. if all you have to do is, I'm sure if you showed people a picture, hey, look, guys, this is how this showed up. I'm not I me as a person, I I would not want to send you this as as a product with my name on it, and I really want to get you guys something quality. This isn't it. So we need yeah. to start from the beginning. And I'm sure most people are like, hey, man, I'm glad that you showed us. Yeah. Yeah. I had two emails yesterday asking about updates for the Raider. And I'm just like, oh, man, like, <laughs> I wish you had your watch, too. Trust me. Um, yeah. I'll just let him know. It's like, hey, you know, we're, we're, we're basically in line. And where we're at is no news is really good news because there's no issues. No. Yeah. But they got replies pretty quick. So, yeah, that's good. That's yeah, good. I just hate that feeling of, of owing people, right? It just weighs yeah. on your shoulders. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it. That's right. You know, I, I strive into to, uh, um, under promise, over deliver. You know, I, I set my date back for uh, August. So, you know, I gave myself some cushion there. And, and, then I started production several weeks early, uh, which ended up biting me on the ass because when when I started production, it was right before the pandemic hit. Like the first half of my campaign did awesome. So I was expecting to finish at like maybe 130 backers or more. 
Um, yeah. I ended up with 66 backers. So, and I had already started production on all these watches. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so I've already made that promise. Uh, my manufacturer already brought the movements. And yeah, it's just like, yeah. okay, well, now I owe all this money that I don't have. So I had to get creative and, and, uh work some deals with some clubs and some retail partners and stuff like that but i put it together and we're we're, we're going strong so um it definitely affected my campaign where i didn't make any money on it but that's not really i mean of course i need to make money but this first one was all about getting a watch out there in the community and showing people what we could do yep we got uh, v-dub asking how you got the name visitor yeah uh so I chose visitor because sort of like the um, connotations with that word. So if you're if you're a visitor someplace, that means that you have on some level gone outside of your comfort zone and you're you're doing something memorable. You're doing something out of your norm. Um, and so that's kind of what I wanted my designs to reflect, that these would be memorable. They'd be sort of outside of your norm. Um, and. Yeah, that that was that was really the main um, the main uh, drive behind that name. And, One, and you, you go ahead, go ahead, Brad. As I say, and, and if I remember correctly, there there's it, you can get a little more in depth about the name and and the representation on the website as well. And that's that was pretty interesting. At least the, the, it used to be, right? Am I? Am I oh yeah. I think there is an explanation on the on the website. I should probably just read that or yeah. No, that's okay. I, I just I'm trying to get some traffic over to you. Not not that you need more people on the waiting list, but <laughs> <laughs> but I mean it, the it's oh, yeah. uh, th there's a lot of information in there that's not just about the brand. I mean it's not just about the watch. It's about the brand too. And it's pretty interesting. Um, that was one of the things that drew me in is. As I'm, I'm experiencing your website, it's drawing me in to want the watch even more. So it's uh, some some good marketing cues that I could uh, take up <laughs> take up from you. No, that's, that's a really that's good, good point because it's not all just about the watch; it's about the brand in, in, in its entirety. And having a good website is is key. You know, like um, yeah. I'm sure that it evolved over the years, and and that kind of brings me to my next question. Um, going back to the beginning and when you're first putting all this stuff together yourself, how was it time-wise? Like, did, did you find yourself working around the clock, never sleeping and stuff like, you know, I talked to a lot of brand owners and they're, you know, just like me where they don't, they don't really sleep a whole lot. <laughs> um, I, I found it came in waves, um, a lot. Like there were periods when, you know, if everything, and everything was already out in production. I had completed all the design work. Um, and now I'm just sort of like waiting for this stuff to actually be made. And it's like, okay, well, I guess I'm just like taking pictures uh, and, you know, so I can work on social media and, you know, and getting better, better content for my website and stuff for the next however long. Um, and then there, yeah, then, then like a shipment arrives and you kind of have to go insane uh, mm -hmm. for a while. Um yeah, so I, I, for me, it's I've my experience has been that it's been pretty cyclical in terms of like normal work days and versus like yeah, you get those big rush projects. But I, I feel like that's pretty common for most most jobs. You know, you have these like heavy heavy work times and then sort of like slack not slack times, but um, just normal or whatever. And so that's that's when I get to do like 
new design work. Um, and I've since starting this company, I've gotten a lot more into photography. And, and so, you know, trying to always get better at that because, you know, that's what a picture can sell a watch, you know, like, uh, so that's, that's no good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've run into that, like, I've taken on, like, too many projects at once and, and, and you know, find myself working around the clock for, for several days and then just crashing, like Sean just brought up uh, uh, about a week ago. I was on my phone working and I ended up passing out because I also have narcolepsy. So I was on my phone working and I, I passed out and I ended up somehow while I was sleeping, I went on Facebook Live and I was on Facebook Live sleeping for like four hours. <laughs> you could probably just build that as, you know, some sort of ASMR channel or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this, you know, what's funny though is that ain't the first time it happened. It happened a couple of years ago too. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's what I, I, um, I switched over from, from GoDaddy, which I was recommended not to do to begin with. Um, yeah, I, I messed up about two years in advance with GoDaddy and and I'm I'm waiting for it to run out. So so I've got Shopify now and I, there was so much information that I didn't carry over. Like I need to get the about section back up. Cause people are like, you're a veteran. Like, I didn't know that. I'm like, really? Like, oh man, it's not, you know, it's so I threw up a little banner on there, but it's like, yeah. I need to get that, that military connection and, and the, the, the name, the name right. say information back up there for sure. Yeah, your website is like your introduction, man. You, you gotta, and, and I'm guilty of it too. Or whenever I set up my Shopify store, I didn't bring anything over. I mean, I just set up a simple store just to get mm -hmm. pre-orders going. And, and I need to, uh, same, same as Brad, I need to get in there and actually like build a, a, a welcoming visually pleasing site well, yeah I mean, get on visitor and <laughs> take some notes yeah. <laughs> I, I, I definitely did that when i was building my site i i was like okay i mean i want this to you know not feel like it's coming from somebody who doesn't know what they're doing right like i mm -hmm. want to feel like a, uh, essentially a big brand experience but you have the personal touch of being a one man company, you know, and so that's well done. Well kind of what, I, <laughs> what I was striving for. And that's, that's the other thing about micro brands and, and you, in a lot of ways, you're the essence of that because the way you talk about the Dunshore and some of the inspiration from, um, I forgot the, the, the beach. Yeah. There, right. In Northwest Indiana, Tibbalake, Michigan. Right. So, so it's like, you, you see these images on the page and you talk about how, how you love to go there and, and that inspiration is pulling into the design. It's like, man, this is, this watch is a part of his heart and soul. Like, like it, it means something to own this because it has a deep connection and it not, yeah. not that I'm connected to you necessarily, but, but it's right. meaningful to have some of that personality and character of that watch, not just another, you know, sub homage or whatever, it's me. Right. It, it's more meaningful for sure. Yeah, and it, it creates interesting connections with people too. Because like I, I had a guy, um, a customer. Gosh, I think he was from the Netherlands or Sweden, and was like, "Wow, I, I was just at this national park with the the Dunes National Lakeshore, <laughs> and like I've I've actually randomly been there, you know, and like so, and then he picked up a Dunes Shore, and it was like this really neat connection where he could 
point to some of the inspiration. Um, and so, yeah, the, the Dune Shore is definitely the most personal watch to me in, in terms of design um, with yeah, the case inspired by these like sloping sand dunes and then the, the writing inspired um, hands, which is uh, another passion of mine. And then the the idea for the curved case back actually comes from the uh, Chicago Bean uh, Cloud Gate is the oh yeah I mean name of that sculpture, and if it you if you get it, like, it on you can actually see that it's a really similar curvature because yeah. Uh, yeah when I was growing up in Northwest Indiana if you wanted to do something cool yeah you went to the dunes or you went to Chicago like that was the place to do stuff so yeah. like getting off the train at and sitting right in Millennium Park you know that I saw that sculpture. Of, so many times and it just made an impression that's the one thing i didn't see back in october when i was in chicago i, I wanted to check it out but i i i, I didn't make it there <laughs> well, we went out to the observation deck i took some cool pictures up there of uh yeah know, cool wrist shots up there pictures in the bean it's trippy man yeah yeah i wanted to check <laughs> it, it out I definitely this year in october i'm going to be checking it out yeah uh, all right cubs or white Sox? Oh, uh, I'm, I, I'm a bull. Uh, <laughs> base, baseball is not really my jam, but I, I do enjoy yeah. basketball. <laughs> All right, that's fine. I think it's about time to wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you have a oh, shit. Like 20 minutes I'm over. Fan, so. You're what? I'm a Dodger fan, so. Dodger, okay. Yeah. But I've been to both parks. R Wrigley's a great place to watch a game. Yeah, I, I, I've been to a game there. It is it is really cool to be a part of that. Just experience that history for sure. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I'm supposed to be keeping an eye on the time. We're already like 20 minutes over. I, I was. <laughs> I was. I was, I, was <laughs> I was joking around about that, but I'm like, oh, we probably do. <laughs> <laughs> we probably be wrapping up. Yeah, we usually but, try to um, keep these. All right. Well, out. yeah. Let's go ahead and uh, and. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we could sit here and talk about watches. And, and bullshit all day, but yeah, <laughs> it's kind of hard for the listeners to, and viewers to to watch for so long. <laughs> but anyway, hey Phil, I appreciate you coming on, man. Huge fan of the brand, huge fan of what you do with your designs, and 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 you know the way that you connect with the community and everything. It, it's definitely gives me some inspiration for iconic, and and loved having you on. Loved being able to connect with you on here. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. It was, it was awesome to talk to you guys. Get to get to know you a little bit better. Hopefully, we get to like meet up at one of these shows once they start happening again. Yeah, yeah for We're sure. Looking... I'm definitely going to be at either District Time or or, or Microlux. Either one, I'll, I'll, I'm sure I'll see you at. Yeah, right on. And we're looking at next month, July, to get on the waiting list for the Shallows. Correct? That's the plan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's... And that should be delivered around October. Oh uh, yeah. Hopefully, if, God if the world, if COVID twenty doesn't show up, <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, we'll see. And then, I mean, Hong Kong is not exactly the chillest place at the moment, so yeah. well, America, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Hong Kong and here, you know, we got riots over there and riots over here, man. Yeah, the world is going crazy right now. Yeah, and uh, real quick for next week, we have uh, Sam from Veteran Watch Initiative, um, a veterans program, so they can learn to make watches after they return. Uh, to awesome. civilian life. So just want to throw that out there before we pull the plug. All right, guys. Thank you guys so much. And thank you all the viewers that popped in, Sean, Robert, um, uh, I think. Um, Jared. 
yeah, several people had popped in. Uh, thanks again, everybody, and we will see y'all next week. Thanks, guys. All right, Thank you. Too. Bye.